From Nashville, Tennessee, I'm Gary Holt, along with my co-host in Santa Clarita, California, Bobby Bell, and this is Equestrian Legacy Radio's Campfire Cafe. That is the Eagles and their great song, Desperado. And I thought that was an appropriate song to start with, Bobby. We've got two Desperados <laughs> joining us today. <laughs> well, and, ha- and Happy New Year to you, Mr. Gary Holt. How are you? 
<laughs> Happy New Year to you. I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Did you see the uh, Eagles um, when they received the um, uh, honors the other yes. day at the? Uh, <clears throat> yes, what I, a great! Yes, I did. What a what a great show that was. Great show. Yes. But yeah. uh, anyway, so I've been looking forward to putting a little Eagles on the air and so there we go there we go well let's uh, we've got a we've got a action-packed show today we've got uh two great guests to start out with today and tell us who we have joining us sure we have jim jones and doug figs both returning uh guests to campfire cafe we look forward to chatting with them and hearing their music well, we do look forward to having them on, and we're going to be talking about uh, the Cowboy Way Trio, and they are two of that trio, and so we're going to be visiting with Jim and Doug in just a little bit, and then Saddle Up America is back. Uh, it was on hiatus through the month of December as we celebrated our Christmas traditions, but joining us today in the second hour will be Jim McGarvey, the Executive Director of Backcountry Horsemen of America, and then Mark Bedore. And Mark is the host of a new show that will be premiering on PBS this weekend called Today's Wild West. So we've got a lot of great uh, guests joining us today to kick off the brand new year on Equestrian Legacy Radio. And of course, we always have to uh, thank our fine sponsors, like the folks in the general store where you'll find everything for the horse lover and folks that just love the Western and equestrian lifestyle. Folks like Bobby Bell's out West. And uh, as she says, it is always a great day out West. But we're going to invite you to grab a big cup of coffee, take a deep seat in the saddle, and when we come back, we're going to be talking with Jim Jones and Doug Figgs on Equestrian Legacy Radio's Campfire Cafe, heard around the world, streaming live, online, and on demand at equestrianlegacy.net. Texas gets in your blood, it's always been that way You feel the pull no matter where you roam Tugging on your heartstrings every single day Like some old magnet was connected to your soul Won't you take me back to Texas when I die Lay me down in the dirt beneath that blue Texas sky well, I'll do my best to make it back, you know I'm gonna try Just take me back to Texas when I die Old Charlie Goodnight blazed a trail across the west With his part, Mr. Lovin' by his side But Lovin', he got bushwhacked, and with his final breath his last request before he died Won't you take me back to Texas when I die Lay me down in the dirt beneath that blue Texas sky I'll do my best to make it back You know I'm gonna try Just take me back to Texas when I die
Texas when I died Laid me down in the dirt Beneath that blue Texas sky I'll do my best to make it back You know I'm gonna try Just take me back to Texas when I die Well, I'll do my best to make it back You know I'm gonna try Just take me back to Texas when I That was Take Me Back to Texas When I Die, performed by The Cowboy Way from their hot new CD, self-titled The Cowboy Way. Today's award-winning guests, Jim Jones and Doug Figgs, hail from the land of enchantment, and they entertain with Western songs and Western stories. Both gentlemen have successful solo careers, but when joined with their friend and guitarist, Mariam, they are the trio The Cowboy Way. Jim Jones is a Western folk artist who tells it like it was, is, and will be in the great American West. Native Texan and student of the West, he lives, sings, and writes about cowboys, horses, cattle rustlers, and more. Jim's singing, songwriting, hot guitar picking, and winning personality keeps him in demand on the Western music circuit. An acclaimed author, his fourth novel, The Big Empty, was just released by Five Star Publishing in December, and his many words include the Academy of Western Artists Song of the Year, Fires of Goliad. Doug Figgs is a horseshoer, cowboy, and a Western music singer-songwriter. A certified journeyman farrier by profession, Doug has turned his attention to his love of music with the emphasis on Western themes. His fourth album, A Cowboy Like Me, received the Rural Roots Commission's 2016 Traditional Western CD of the Year Award. And as a member of the Western Music Association, his song Socios was named the 2015 WMA Song of the Year. Forming the trio, the Cowboy Way, with fellow guitar player and songwriter Mariam, these three musicians are breaking new ground. Their tight harmony, engaging songwriting, and lively personalities are capturing audiences throughout the West. And we will be playing music from their new CD, The Cowboy Way, as well as from their own individual CDs throughout the show. Please welcome to Campfire Cafe, these two Western Music Association Award winners, 2014 Male Performer of the Year, Jim Jones, and 2015 Songwriter of the Year, Doug Figs. Hey, guys. <laughs> Welcome, hey. gentlemen. Good to be here. We appreciate you having us on. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's great. Uh, it's great to, it's great to have you. I don't, yeah, I don't think it could have been any better if we'd had uh, – we couldn't have been better than, you know, <laughs> the Eagles wouldn't have been as – the Eagles would not have been as impressive as that resume she just uh. <laughs> I don't know about that. But, well. Hey, the first song that we just played, I, I just was looking at the music credits, and you wrote that with uh, Kristen Harris. I did write that with Kristen Harris. I was going to definitely work that in. I know Kristen's one of your favorite guests, and she's just one of our favorite performers and people in the world. So, Yeah, that was that's such a fun song, but I guess I hadn't realized, Jim, that um, that Kristen had written that with you. That's sure to be a big, that should be playing on all Western, um, DJ should be spinning that a lot. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. 
Oh, gosh. Hey, guys, tell us a little bit about uh, how you got together to form uh, the Cowboy Way. Uh, Doug, you want me to start with that? I want you to start with that. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I met Doug at it in Sierra Vista, Arizona, probably five years ago at the Cochise Cowboy Gathering. Uh, I was doing an open mic thing there hosting it and he was part of it and I thought man this guy's really good and uh, so we sort of got to know each other and then uh, he was already playing with Mariam down who's from Germany by the way but the western part of Germany so that you know he's western so, uh, but uh, and they invited me down to play at one of the venues they live just south of Albuquerque in Socorro and so I went down and played and we just sort of clicked the three of us I mean we had a lot of the same musical roots and our harmonies just clicked and so you know got us where we are today <laughs> whatever that is <laughs> well it's it's it certainly works i mean it certainly works and um yeah i told you guys before the show started that uh, that it sometimes you sound a little bit alike your harmonies are so tight you kind of complement each other and uh and then and then doug said as long as they don't think we look alike that's good with me so <laughs> and i believe i said i don't know what he meant by that but i agree with it <laughs> oh gosh well you've got you've got some oh, yeah. great music on here you gotta go ahead doug no i was just saying i was just going to talk about that uh that song that uh that you just played it's such a great song and that you know we went into I had not even heard it when I went in to do my <laughs> vocals, but uh, you know I just love it. That's that's so much fun to to, to sing. It was just really really well written. Just really pleased. Mm-hmm. Well, well, thanks, well, Doug. And Doug's a big just, fan of of all things Texan, so <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I started to say it was a little peculiar to have two guys from New Mexico and the first song that we did was Take Me Back to Texas When I Die but that was okay that was okay, it's a great song Hey, we want to get to quite a bit of the music today and the time that we have and the first song that I want to get to is The Wheel Fell Off the Wagon Doug, you want to tell us about this song? (laughs) Well, this is one that uh, actually Randy Houston uh, he kind of he came up with the idea of this, and and uh, Jim and and me and Randy were down at Sierra Vista again, and uh, we all kind of got together and fiddled around with this song, and um, just had a lot of fun with it. So it, it's it's a Randy Houston idea that, uh, and he wrote he wrote the chorus and stuff. So uh, of course that's <laughs> a great part of this song, and. Uh, 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 we got Mariam involved and he just made it better and just really pleased with it. Well, it is a great song. Let's listen to this one. The wheel fell off the wagon by the cowboy way. And we're talking with Doug figs and Jim Jones on the campfire cafe. Flies. I'm out here digging postals in these rocks 
what they thinking when they stopped Long as this land's been in the family It's been sort of a mystery We've cussed and disgusted through the years I'm the son of the fourth generation I wonder about the explanation Why my great-great-grandpa settled here That's where the wheel fell off the wagon Grandpa said the yoke was broken Now our tongues are dragging well, I can't go on another mile, my britches, they're a sagging. That's where the wheel fell off the wagon. I've seen places where the grass is tall. It's all free and clear You ask me what, what we're doing here What are we doing here? It's where the wheel fell off the wagon Grandpa said the yoke was broken Now our tongues are dragging Well I can't go on another mile My britches there are sagging It's where the wheel fell off the wagon That is such a fun song. That is such a fun song. I'm just sitting here grinning from ear to ear listening to that. So I could be, en envision the, those britches sagging and, and, uh, yeah, yeah. I've never, never replaced a wagon wheel. I've replaced some, uh, horse trailer tires sometime, you know, when I've been out on the road. So cool song. How Jim, how do you guys, uh, decide what you want to put onto a CD? Um, well, on this one, um, it was <laughs> the, it's sort of funny now. I, I hope Doug thinks it's funny. The way this all happened is we've kind of decided to make a CD and it just started working on it. And last August, uh, we were doing a concert in Albuquerque and some of our fans hollered out, when's your CD going to be ready? And I just, <laughs> obviously without, without thinking about it, I, I said, oh, it'll be ready by November when the Western Music Association meeting happens here and then i felt this laser-like glare from doug and mariam and uh, they were like what and so we started writing like crazy men <laughs> so we put the songs on there that uh that we had <laughs> basically <laughs> i think they've forgiven me but i'm not sure <laughs> well it is oh, a wow. great 
It is a it is a great CD, and I think your personalities really shine through. You know, um, uh, Gary, if you haven't had a chance to see them in in concert, um, these these guys have a sparkling personalities on their own with their own solo careers. Um, both very entertaining, humorous, um, lighthearted, serious about their music and musicianship, but lighthearted. And I think. You know, we really heard it in both of these first two songs. There's a, a lightheartedness to the to the music that's just so engaging. Well, it, it well, is. I'm the serious. Fun. I was going to say I'm the serious one. Doug's kind of lighthearted and, and silly. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, for sure. I must come from shoeing horses all of his life. Is that right, Doug? <laughs> <laughs> I got to have some kind of levity somewhere. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, Doug, how often do you guys get together as a trio to perform? I mean, because you're all busy with your solo careers, how often do you get together um well, to perform together? Well, it's pretty much any time anybody lets us. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we 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 are looking to do more as a trio um of course uh you know we 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 have our own own stuff that we do and we we i do a lot of stuff with mariam and then um and jim he's going all over the place so i i don't know about him but uh, <laughs> we're just trying to <laughs> we, we try to get him wrangled up as uh, as often as we can and uh, yeah it's just we're we're trying to do more well, I know people are going to, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in the show to find out where people can actually see you as a, as a, uh, a trio and as, as well as uh, individual performers. But talking about solo careers, uh, there is a great song. I don't think I've, I don't think I'd played this on any of the shows yet, but uh, this was a cool song that Jim, you have on your CD race with the wind. And it's one called smoke of the Brandon fire. And, uh, and I was kind of in a real cowboy state of mind this morning uh, when I was picking these songs out. But tell us a little bit about Smoke of the Brandon Fire. Well, uh, that's a co-write I did with Alan Chapman, who is one of the premier songwriters in Western music and, uh, and a former Nashville songwriter, Grammy-nominated and everything. Uh, and that's a, a, when I introduce it, I usually say, well, this is a cowboy love song, which means it turns out badly. So <laughs> it's, it's about... It's about having having to make choices between what you want to do and who you want to be with, and sometimes it doesn't doesn't fit. And uh, whether you're a musician or a, a cowboy or or what, I mean, it's, it's sometimes you can't do both, and, and it's, kind of, it's kind of a sad song. But all right, well, let's take a listen. I really, really like this. I think our audience will as well. But this is "Smoke of the Brandon Fire" from Jim's CD, "Race with the Wind."
I know this cowboy life I lead never much appeal to you. Now there's something's needin' doing, and I might as well get to it. I heard you're getting married. Guess this letter's overdue. But I've been standing in the smoke of Brandon fire. I've been standing in the smoke of the Brandon fire. Been keeping my pony fed by stretching wire. I wish I could tell you something different, but I'm not that good a liar. 'Cause all I know is punching cows and this danged old Brandon fire. Are getting warmer. It ranges yesterday. I'm starting three new colts this week. The best one is the bay. I wish you and yours a good life. Is what I mean to say. As I'm standing in the smoke of the Brandon fire. I've been standing in the smoke of the Brandon fire. Been keeping my pony fed by stretching wire. I wish I could tell you something different, but I'm not that good a liar. 'Cause all I know is punching cows in this danged old Brandon fire. I'm still standing in the smoke of the Brandon fire. I've been keeping my pony fed by stretching wire. Lord, I wish I could tell you something different, but I'm not that good a liar. 'Cause all I know is punching cows in these danged old Brandon fires. I am writing you tonight, dear, from East New Mexico. That's such a great song. I love that. Love Thank that. You. That will certainly be getting more airplay with us, but uh, but a great song. Um, Doug, I've got one I'm going to get to that that's from your CD called "A Cowboy Like Me," and uh, and it's the title title cut from that. Uh, tell us a little bit about this song. Well, I, just right where I'm sitting right now. This is. This is where I wrote that. Um, <laughs> I was tripping a bunch of horses and just thinking this is just all right for me, <laughs> you know. And uh, it just—it was such an easy and fun song to write, and I loved it because it came out with as with two chords, and that was perfect to me. <laughs> <laughs> Jim oh liked gosh! Because he did it well. Oh yeah. Well, this is this is a great one. Let's take a listen to Cowboy Like Me, and then we're gonna come back and get more 
uh, into some of the music from the Cowboy Way CD in just a moment on the Campfire Cafe. The wide open prairie is spreading out before me as far as my eyes can see. I'm riding along and I've got a song That's enough for a cowboy like me That's enough for a cowboy like me A good horse under me, it's easy to see I'm right here where I want to be I've got a good woman's love, the blue sky above. That's enough for a cowboy like me. That's enough for a cowboy like me. Doug Figs, the cowboy like me, from the CD by the same title. And not only is he a farrier and a singer-songwriter, but he is now a uh, Facebook celebrity with these uh, Facebook Live. We had so. Yeah, yeah, that was so much fun watching you and Mickey the other night. doing that Facebook live. That's like a two hour concert you two put on. Uh, yeah. You know, and it seemed like it was about 15 minutes. <laughs> I wanted to keep yeah, going, t- but, Mark, but Mickey was starting to yawn. So. 
that's well, funny. I, I told Mickey, I said, you know, I, I saw you guys on Facebook and my favorite TV show was on and I missed it. I mean, I just missed the whole TV show. <laughs> I had to just watch this Facebook live and uh, and shared it on my page. And man, I had a lot of my friends that were introduced to some cowboy music for the first time with that. So that was a lot of fun. So, Jim, are you doing any Facebook Live stuff? Well, you know, we, we just talked about that last night, Doug and Mariam and I did, about um, doing more of that. Uh, it's You know, that's one of the reasons we hang out with young folks like Kristen and Mickey, because they know what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're planning, we're going to have a, a concert uh, at the end of this month that's going to premiere the, the CD, and we were talking about doing it on Facebook Live, so... We'd like to do more of that. that that's kind of cool. Well, it, it, it really seems, is. It's uh, yeah. Ahead, it seems like uh, yeah. It seems like people are are really beginning to use that. I know. I I've, I've been encouraged to start to use it, and I'm. I guess I'm just you know not totally comfortable with um with it. But you guys are you know you're doing it. So any tricks that you would share with those of us that have been a little afraid to put our toe in the water? <laughs> I'd have to ask Mickey. She set everything up for me, but I think I'll make all the mistakes again. But, uh, yeah, I don't have any tricks right now. I think our biggest, our biggest trick is we're going to fly Mickey in to set it up for us. There you go. There you go. There you go. Well, if you do a Facebook Live, there's one song that I want you guys to do together, the three of you, and that's the one that we're going to go to now. It's This is another great cowboy song and uh, a lot of meaning in it, and uh, it's called Can't See Him from the Road. Uh, and I don't have the linear notes. Who, who wrote this one? That was a co-write with my good friend Donnie Blands and Ed Bruce and Ed's wife, Patsy, I believe. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful song, and I was just so thrilled that Donnie was, was interested in having us record it. So, yeah, we, we love that song. All right, well, let's take a listen to Can't See Him from the Road. It's by the Cowboy Way, and we're going to come back and talk more with Doug and Jim in just a moment. And Bobby Bell out in uh, Santa Clarita. When we return on the Campfire Cafe, heard around the world on Equestrian Legacy Radio at equestrianlegacy.net. Well, you don't see much on the big screen anymore. Cause kids don't ride along with Roy and Gene And it's a shame And that ain't really him you see With all them feathers on his hat And some Frenchman's name embroidered on his jeans But he's still out there riding fences Still makes his living with a As is a sunset, he'll be riding for the brand. He just can't see from the road. Well, he never learned a two-step. Heck, he barely learned how to walk. But he's wore a lot of leather off the tree. He's had one or two good horses that he counts among his friends. He never drew Still makes his living with 
things is a sunset he'll be riding for the brand you just can't see him from the road See him from the road. That's the Cowboy Way from their CD, The Cowboy Way. And um, just a great, great CD. And, and uh, do you guys have a Facebook page for the Cowboy Way trio right now? We do. Yes, we do. Uh, we got a Facebook okay. page and we also have a, a website as well. Okay. And so just... can you give us the website? Give me the website, Doug. Okay. The website. It's cowboywaymusic.com. And I okay. just posted it on my Facebook page uh, where we've got a lot of people that I've been liking the photos and things I've been posting, uh, announcing the show. So, uh, yeah, cowboywaymusic.com. That's where you want to go to buy this CD, which you need, right? <laughs> That's right. You need it. You need it. <laughs> Can I, also, can I say can I say something real quick? Because I, yeah, I thought about this when I was listening to that song. That you know, people that hear it, that see us perform, they see Mariam play the guitar, and he's an amazing musician. The thing they don't see and they don't really realize, because he's really pretty shy, is that he is a brilliant recording engineer, a brilliant producer. He's one of the most creative people I've ever met. And, you know, a lot of, I mean, the arrangements and the, the stuff that we do, I mean, he just makes it so much better. And Doug and I, we're just really lucky to perform with him. So, <laughs> Absolutely. It's hard to say it's hard to say enough about Mariam, uh, what he brings to to our music. And uh, um, he brings amazing musicianship, I guess. <laughs> it's, yeah, in so many ways, yeah. 
Well, this is this is a great CD, and of course, uh, we want to tell folks where they can find you individually as well. So, uh, Jim, let's start with you. Where can they get your music? Uh, they go to my website. Uh, make sure they go Jim Jones Music, because if they just go Jim Jones, they'll see a bunch <laughs> of stuff about that guy in Guyana and the Kool-Aid, and we, I've been trying to live that down for years, so it's jimjonesmusic.com. Okay. All right, and, and of course, they, they can like you on Facebook as well. Yes, they can. All righty, and, and Doug, what about your music? Where can they find you? Okay, uh, it's just dougfigs.com, and I, I don't have the problem that Jim has. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a shady past. <laughs> also, all of, uh, 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 all of the music... Uh, the Cowboy Way, everything is also available on uh, CD Baby and iTunes. And, uh, all right, uh, so all, CDs also. all the normal outlets to be able to purchase that music as well as their website and uh, and like them and follow them on Facebook. And um, so you guys are going to have to let us know when you do your live concert on Facebook and and let us know and we'll share it on our pages as well. And and uh, Try not to do it on the same night that Doug and Mickey did there, so I don't have to miss my favorite show again. But <laughs> it was worth it. It was absolutely it was absolutely worth it. It was great. It was great. So where are you guys gonna be performing next? Uh let's see. The coral. Yeah, that's what tomorrow uh, Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, you're coming down to Sophia's. That's right. Yes, I see that. Eleven to eleven a.m. to two p.m. on on Sunday the eighth. <laughs> right. In New Mexico. All right. All right. So you can check out their websites and and look at their tour schedule and find out where you can see these guys performing, uh, both individually and as the trio. And you don't want to miss their performance. They're just absolutely great. And and Doug's real easy to track because he always posts pictures in front of whatever state sign he's traveling through. So uh, with his guard dog, Snoopy, with his guard yeah. dog, you, you, do, you ought to do a calendar, Doug. You should do a calendar. Oh, that's a great, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that's a great yeah. idea. Yeah. Well, and so you know, they are, they are available to come in and play for you. So um, not just you, Gary, but any of our, of our listeners, especially in the West, you know, um, think about, you maybe have an event coming up. These guys would probably love to come and play for you. Would. We could be persuaded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys have been great guests, a lot of fun to have on the show as always. First time we've had you two on together. And uh, and you've been pretty well behaved overall, so I was concerned about that. <laughs> As well, you should have been, but we didn't have Randy Houston with us, so I think that that was your safe, your fail safe there. <laughs> oh gosh, we got to get Randy on the show sometime in the next couple of months. He'd be a lot of fun to have on. Um, but anyway, you great guys to have uh, perform for you. Be sure and catch one of their concerts. Visit their websites and their Facebook pages. And we want to close out this segment with uh, a, another song that's great from the CD. And this is called Day After the Day of the Dead. I have to be real careful how I say that. Day After the Day of the Dead. 
Uh, either one of you want to tell us something about this song before we go to that? Yeah, I can tell you about that. That's a, a real southwestern New Mexico song. It was written by my good friend Don Armstrong, who uh, now lives in, in Tucson, although he was living up north of Santa Fe when he wrote this one. Uh, it's uh, He claims that he dreamed the song, woke up, and just wrote it down, which, if it's true, that's kind of annoying. I mean, that never happens to me as a songwriter. So. <laughs> yet. It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> So it's a lot of fun. All right. Well, it's a great song. You guys have been great guests. Look forward to having you back on again. And uh, let's take a listen to Day After the Day of the Dead by the Cowboy Way. We've been talking with Doug Figs and Jim Jones today on the Campfire Cafe. Guys, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. With a rock and a rattlesnake road Head on down to old town Gonna waltz these weary old bones Weary old bones Gonna rise up today El Dia de los Huertos Ain't got nothing on me Pretty girl on my We're gonna waltz our way into the day after the day of the day. Well, I was just a young boy, never done nobody no harm. Hold up in a hotel with a man run afoul of the law. But three men posse in tow He said, look like you're running days over, boys Let's waltz these weary old bones And I walked away a free man Met a girl down in Santa Fe I kissed her, she gave me her hand We crossed that old Pickles River boy With a rock and a rattlesnake roll Settled down in old town Gonna waltz these weary old bones Weary old bones Gonna rise up the Got nothing on me Pretty girl on my arm Sweet song We're gonna waltz our way into the day After the day of the day We're gonna waltz our way into the day After the day of the day 
another great song from the Cowboy Way, and uh, good show, Bobby. Oh, that was really fun. You know, they kicked off the uh, SCV TV Presents the Out West Concert Series last year, January 2016. So uh, we've been fans of theirs for a long time. <laughs> well, they are a lot of fun, and uh, it's been a pleasure to have them on. So be sure and visit their websites, jimjonesmusic.com and dougfigs.com, and and purchase their individual CDs as well as the Cowboy Way. And um, anyway, big show today. We've got uh, an exciting show next week. Uh, who's our guest for the Campfire Cafe for the second Thursday of the month? Uh, you told me this morning, and it's already slipped my mind, so <laughs> remind me. Gary <laughs> McMahon is a legend in the Western music world, a great singer, songwriter, and poet. And so Gary's going to be joining us for the Campfire Cafe, and then we'll have um, Robert Eversole that will be on Saddle Up America and followed by Dale Rudin, who is a great clinician and horse trainer. So a lot of exciting stuff coming up uh, on Thursdays for the Campfire Cafe and for Saddle Up America. And um, Saddle Up America is coming up next, Bobby, but before we leave and say goodbye to you, do you have any final thoughts or beginning thoughts maybe for the first January show. I do. I do. I found this great quote. I hope that in this year to come, you make mistakes because if you're making mistakes, then you are making new things, trying new things, learning, living, pushing yourself, changing yourself and changing your world. You're doing things you've never done before. And more importantly, you're doing something, whatever it is you're scared of doing, do it. Make Your Mistakes Next Year and Forever, and that's by Neil Gaiman. And I thought that was a great way to think about living every day. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. One thing that you've got to do is take advantage of the days that you have and get out and just do it. But anyway, a fun show today, and uh, Saddle Up America is next. We'll be talking with our good friend Jim McGarvey, Executive Director of Backcountry Horsemen of America, and Mark Bador, the host of the new TV series, Today's Wild West, when we come back. Bobby, we'll see you on the radio next Thursday. Have a great week. Have a great one.
by a smoldering fire along the Navajo Trail. Trail with Gary Allegretto and Ian Espinoza to kick off things for the first show with Saddle Up America for the new year. And our good friend Jim McGarvey is with us. Happy New Year, Jim. Uh, hey, Happy New Year to you, Gary. Uh, good to be back on for the 2017. I think maybe starting into our, be sometime in our fifth year coming up here pretty soon this year. So looking forward to it. I've had a great, great time with you on here. Well, it has been fun, and, and golly Moses, it doesn't seem like it's been as long as it has been, but it has. I know. It has. Yeah, and, right. yeah a, lot of things, a lot of things changed with the show, and a lot of things have changed with Backcountry Horsemen uh, during yeah. that period of time. One of those is the fabulous website that you've got, and uh, a yeah. lot of exciting things that have happened in 2016 anything that's of uh, a highlight that you might want to mention before we start talking about what's up well in 2016 yeah, the, um, yeah one um uh that's i put the second one first and then the first one uh, second but uh we have been working with uh sequoia kings canyon national park um several for several years on the wilderness plan and it becomes quite important because about 2011, um, the lawsuit by the High Sierra hikers uh, closed out all the horses. Uh, and the, fed the federal lawsuit was in San Francisco, and it closed out all the, uh, the horse packing and the trails. And so uh, went with the Wilderness Society Congress, and even with the Fractious Congress, uh, very quickly they passed a, a temporary bill uh, blocking that, that decision, and the president signed it. And so back in business with the horses in Sequoia Kings Canyon. And then uh, uh, we were able to work with the superintendent out there and uh, with a great wilderness plan, the science of the wilderness plan, and um, how to handle it. They have a good bit out there, of course. And so it worked out very well. Uh, we're, we still had the historic use of, of the trails, as we did before it was even a national park. So that was a good win because Sequoia is one of those 
uh, iconic parks that affect the rest of the country's decisions on parks. And uh, but I suppose in the highlight was um, the passage of the National Forest System Trails uh, Stewardship Act. And um, it was four years in the making, and we've talked about it on here a good bit. Uh, started with our people in Wyoming, and then we got the Wilderness Society and the American Horse Council together on this, working together. And, and uh, then we got 110 more organizations to sign on, uh, and uh, including the American Motorcycle Association. So you had the American Hiking Society, the Wilderness Society, the American Motorcycle Association. So wow. it was pretty well uh, yeah, across the whole board. And and uh, we got a lot of co-sponsors. So we started in um, the Congress before the 113th Congress towards the end, and uh, Congresswoman Lummis in, in um, Wyoming putting the bill in. And then uh, in the new Congress, we got uh, we had a full two years to work on it with everybody. And we got almost equally, the Wall Street Journal said it was the most bipartisan bill passing through Congress. And uh, so it, it was passed, uh, and then uh, the president signed it in the middle of November, and uh, so it's going to be law. And what it, what it does, there's a comment period coming up on a few of the items, but it, what it does, it's, it's instructing the Forest Service to make trails uh, a priority. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't give the, trails, the Forest Service any more money, so they have mm-hmm. to look and say, wow, how are we going to do this? But uh, they also say, the bill says to double the volunteer hours of, um, double the hours of the volunteers. Uh, that they use annually, and uh, because uh, de- there's various use of volunteers throughout the country, depending on uh, sometimes the staffing of the Forest Service doesn't even have time to leave their desk, so because uh, their staffing is down so much uh, from uh, budget cutbacks and wildfires. So, and then uh, they're going to pick um, nine to fifteen um, special places that are kind of really in bad shape. Um, and uh, the Frank Church, River of No Return, some of those areas are with landslides and everything. They're just uh, they're closing out for good. And so they're going to pick, on, pick 9 of 15 and uh, 9 to 15 of them and concentrate on those and then keep working through them, and then they have to report back to Congress on, on, uh, on the volunteer hours and the progress and different things. And also to use um, um, firefighters when they're not fighting fires. Um, yeah. Uh, Forest Service firefighters, also to uh, credit uh, outfitters who clear trails uh, at a standard rate, uh, the reimburse. So if they're whatever their outfitter fee is, it goes against that cost, uh, their outfitter licenses and permits. So it was a lot of work. Uh, now we're going to be working, uh, I think, coming up uh, in the new year would be to see if we can find some funding for the, uh, the Forest Service. Uh, that could be tough in any Congress and tougher now, but it's, it's a possibility. So, uh, because we got this one yeah. out of the way, we can say, well, look, we did this one. Now, you know, it's your turn. So, uh, I think that was a highlight, um, probably for us in the Forest Service and in, in, in the legislative area, because we've been working on it so long. And uh, with Ben Pendergrass, the Wilderness Society, we, we were there at the beginning and at the end and put some thank you ads in the Cheyenne, Cheyenne Wyoming, Wyoming Times and, and a couple of the newspapers out west thanking the. Uh, the co-sponsors um, for for doing this and working on it, uh, pushing it through. And so, in uh, December uh, 13th, I went to D.C. from the 12th to the 15th this past month, and um, I was going to. Uh, I, my purpose for the first day was to attend the 21st Century Conservation Corps. It's a day long, it was a day long meeting, and uh, they highlighted uh, who's who's there is. Um, 
21st Century Conservation Corps is a takeoff of the CCC uh, of the 30s and, and the 40s uh, during the Depression. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, and so it's not funded by the government in this instance, but it's funded by grants and a lot of things. It's just kind of a big deal. But they're, what they do is they take um, 18 to 25-year-olds that from urban centers and just different lifestyle settings that may not have been in the woods, let's say, and take them out there for 10 to 12 weeks, and it's life-changing. And the backcountry help, horseman helps a lot with packing camps in and weekly camping in. And now they've moved this. They've added uh, servicemen, uh, veterans, and uh, so they moved the age up to 30 for veterans to join into this. And uh, But there also is 150 other core groups, uh, which not necessarily have the name core in it, but with the flood in Louisiana, which was uh, one of the 500-year floods, uh, they have people down there helping taking the mud out of homes, you know, and oh, wow. up, up to the ceilings, and some are beyond help. But So they're down there. They do a lot of stuff like that locally and around. And and so that day, there's a day of panels, but the, that trails bill was really highlighted a lot uh, as one of the great successes for outdoors. And uh, and so we had I was there for American, for backcountry and then Vandergrass American Horse Council and uh, the Wilderness Society had representative there, so we were able to talk. But we had panels, and I, I want to mention something I mentioned on a panel. Ben and I were on a panel about um, uh, issues of the day, and and uh, I pointed out uh, I, I told them that. Um, they, we were asked, what, tell what each group does. We had as Ben for the American Horse Council and myself, Backcountry Horse, and we had represented from the Sierra Club there. Then, And I said that, you know, we work on trails and we're in 31 states and that kind of the 30-second elevator talk. But then I said something that um, now the people in attendance were about 50 to 60 people with high-level people from the Park Service, the Forest Service, the number two from the Forest Service, and number two and three, and um, uh, the um, uh Bureau of Land Management, Corps of Engineers, a lot of other conservation groups uh, were there. And uh, so I, to give them an example of, of what backcountry does, they said in 2014, if you bear with me on this, Gary, it's kind of a, astounding in a way, the backcountry horsemen did 418,000 volunteer hours. Now we do about 50% of those hours in national forests, 25% in national parks, and remaining on BLM and, and state parks and that. But 50% of those 418,000 hours went to the Forest Service. The Forest Service has 156,000 miles of trails. That's six times around the planet at the equator. Wow. So if you think about that's how many trails they have to keep going. And so if you divide that into the number of hours that we've devoted to the Forest Service just in 2014, that's 1.4 hours per trail mile six times around the planet that backcountry horsemen Mm. did. And so it was. Uh, um, we got a spontaneous applause, so that was that was fun. But during well, that I'm meeting, uh, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I'm glad you mentioned that because when you were talking about the trail bill that was passed and um, uh, the fact that it's going to take volunteer hours, I was going to ask you if you could kind of share with us the number of hours and and also uh, we've talked about this before, but the dollar value of the time that backcountry yeah, horsemen. That, if, yeah, if you take that um, that number and you equate it to the, what the IRS regulates or, you know, their quotes for hourly rates on different things, it came to about $15 million of value of donated. But I calculate, so it's that 15 that the government recognizes that. But also, I put a conservative, Louis, we spent about another $5 million out of our pockets. We, we'd have horses anyway. 
you know, right. everybody you know, back country would have horses anyway. And, but there's a lot of cost goes into this uh, with chainsaws and days in the woods and, and, and trucks that actually can get up in these mountains, you know, instead of to the riding ring down the road. And so it's, it's, uh, there's a great deal of cost that goes into um, just doing, the, doing this volunteer work that we don't get reimbursed for. And um, uh, so I put it at like $18 million uh, just in that year. And that's a lot of money for one organization to donate. Um, and well, it, it's huge. Uh, it's a huge amount. <laughs> and it's not counting yeah. the sweat and uh, you know and the whole thing out there. It's not just writing a check. You know, it's spending uh, days out there, weeks. But uh, so that went. Um, so they that that was a Tuesday in, in December of December thirteenth, and then on Thursday, uh, went to uh, Capitol Hill uh, to Congressman. Um, uh, Bernie Sanders and office and and Senator uh, Whitehouse of, of uh, Rhode Island. Rumor had it that Senator Sanders is going to be there, but he wasn't. And uh, but I met with his staff. And uh, the thing there, and this applies to a lot of folks all over the country, is uh, both Bernie Sanders and White House, well, a bunch of, of uh, congressmen uh, endorse a bill that takes a certain amount of money uh, from the the trans uh, the federal highway funds. Uh, and uh, taxes that we pay on the gas at the gas pump. Uh, so it's a small amount, but it was a, bi- a, a billion dollars in the past 25 years. So uh, it was a 25th anniversary, and so yeah. So we went and and it gets distributed to to all the states, and then you apply to your local state thing to for your trails, and and um, uh, it, so it really works well. It, it can be um, you know you just give a pitch for a good project, and it, it works out pretty well. But we wanted to, to keep to, to thank them, which we did. And I, I of course went out about the backcountry horsemen, and uh, so uh, every chance. And then uh, so that was a good visit, though we didn't get to see the the famous senator, but that's fine. And then um, uh, funny during that that first meeting, the 21st century, we were, the, one of the re- purposes of that meeting was to what, to dis- to discuss what we everybody thought the Trump Trump administration was going to be like, what, what they were going to do, you know. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. At, the, at, the, at the beginning of that day, the beginning of that meeting in the morning, uh, another fellow was going to be appointed to the, to the head of the Depart- Secretary of the, in- of the Interior, which is the National Park Service Bureau of Land Management. So it was a woman, uh, excuse me, it was a woman from uh, the congressional district, a congresswoman from uh, the Spokane area of Washington Congressional District, with a good deal of outdoor you know, background. But instead of the surprise, which has been this whole campaign here uh, uh, of uh, Donald Trump, is... He picked a fellow by the name of Ryan Zink, who's a congressman. And so in the middle of the meeting, we're talking about this congresswoman from Washington, maybe how to approach her, what she's going to do. And somebody had been checking their iPad and said, well, let's switch conversations here to, to Ryan Zink. <laughs> and, and, and why that's interesting is because this whole federal lands transfer thing. Let me tell you about Ryan Zink. Um, so he is he, um, a congressman. He is a congressman from Montana. Their only congressman, but he uh, he played his biography goes uh, shortly like this, a short brief version. He played uh, football for the University of Oregon for four years and graduated with a, a degree in geology. Then he joined the Navy and was a Navy SEAL from 1986 to 2008. That's 22 years of being a Navy SEAL. He was ca- he was commander of SEAL Team Six, you know the, the top one. Got two mm-hmm. master's degrees while he was in the SEALs. Then he became commander of the SEALs. Uh, I got I bought his book. It's called American Commander. I just got it uh, by Ryan Zink, and it was co-written 
by Scott McEwen, who also is co-author of the American Sniper. And this book is called right. American Commander. And uh, but he uh, uh, so he so he's done this with the SEALs. And then he got out of the Navy in 2008, became a state senator, then a U.S. congressman, and he's 55 years old. Goodness, goodness. Yeah, so uh, uh, quite admirable. And and he's taken um, – I'll come back to him because it – well, I don't want to get too bogged down in the in the weeds here of all the politics, but just kind of – I only do this here at the beginning of the year. But um, so also a fun thing on on, uh, uh, January 2nd, uh, the backcountry horsemen of California, the mid-California unit, were in the Rose Bowl Parade. And yeah, so I saw that. Like waving, yeah, yeah, in the green, uh, um, yeah, they're all dressed up, and and uh, I don't know if you saw some of the video that early in the morning when it was still dark, you know, everybody's queuing up to get in the parade, and right, and right, mules were, having, mules were having a little bit of fun. They're kicking around, but anyway, they look really great going down the um, uh, down Colorado Boulevard, and then also that twenty mule team um, of borax, uh, you know, twenty mule team was. It's going to be right. The, the Wells President Fargo exhibit. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And that was uh, so. That um, it was fun to have the uh, backcountry horsemen there, um, flags waving, and uh, uh, it's a big deal to get uh, everything down there queued up. And then it was a horse uh, show before that, even uh, for the for all the equines, which there are a ton uh, in the parade. Um, don't get to see them all because sometimes you get the commercials. But anyway, um, then. Uh, I can kind of wrap along here, but uh, they, uh, if, you, if people recall, I mean, just earlier, uh, January 3rd and 4th, um, the um, uh, ethics committee, or the Congress with the ethics committee said they were going to, uh, you know, disband the ethics uh, department, and right. uh, then, they, then they retreated. But in the wording of that, that it's not a bill for Congress. It's the way you operate your own office, so the only Congress votes on it. It's like you're, you know. House rules so that you just do yourself. In that, though, was a uh, hidden away was the word that if they give away public land, federal land, that they don't have to consider the economic, the loss of economic income to the government. So oh wow! That makes it easy. Yeah, it makes it easier to sell the idea to give it away. Um, and then um, Ron Zink said, uh, Ryan Zink said that. Um, uh, well, he pointed out that. Um, uh, that he was, uh, he's against it completely, you know, this whole idea, though he voted for that bill, but it had a lot of small small print in it. Um, and then just to kind of wrap up here, I won't drone on here, but um, we've, we're still working on, uh, with uh, Yosemite, Mount Rainier, and Olympic Parks, tried to, the wilderness uh, thing, deals to get the, keep the horses and mules in. And uh, Olympic, um, Mount Rainier, doesn't have any horses and mules because the current the superintendent back then said that they caused weeds, which has now been proved scientifically false. <laughs> um, and uh, so he's now the uh, director of the Park, Park Service, um, but he's retiring. But uh, so we think we're going to be able to reverse parts of that. And uh, so we're working in those three parks out that corner of the country. Uh, also, we're in the Bureau of Land Management to kind of strengthen our relationship there for the horses and mules and uh and then uh working to get that trails bill you know actually in the field and working helping the forest service where we can and um uh and then also maybe trying to seek some way to get some funding even increase funding for the fires which helps the funding for the rest of the forest service 
But um, some things we're still fighting, you know, the, the federal lands transfer back to the states with Chairman Rob Bishop of Utah pushing it. Uh, and that's going to be creeping up in all different directions. And then um, there's a push by uh, a segment of the Mountain Bike Society to roll back the uh, Wilderness uh, Act and allow mountain bikes in the wilderness. And uh, so we're against that. And um, I talk too much, but there was a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a lot going on, and I think one of the this is a good time. This is a good time to talk about the fact that um, if people are listening and they're wondering why should I get involved with Backcountry Horsemen of America, uh, you've just talked a, a, about a lot of the reasons that people that are trail riders uh, should. Yeah. And that is the fact that Backcountry Horseman works uh, behind the scenes. A lot of a lot of things that people are just not aware of that are going on that are political. And uh, and so the things that happen in Washington and the work that Backcountry Horseman does there is is as important as um, I'll say is as important as the work that's done on the trails uh, as well. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, if we can't keep the trails open, you know, in, in Washington, uh, keeping public lands, then we're not going to have them to even work on. And uh, and we and yeah, I didn't mention, but we do a lot of work with the state parks. So east of the Mississippi, we have a whole state state parks uh, committee uh, that uh, just things that pop up, and we push on that because they all go. The state park people all go to their own national meetings and talk, and you know, have a beer afterwards and talk about stuff. And so we got to. Mm-hmm. We've got to keep on top of that because that's a lot of land there and a lot of a lot of trails on the state parks and um, across the country. So, so well, there there are and and there's so many different. Uh, you know, you've, I meant to ask, uh, and and this this was on my mind. Um, you know, we had the horrible fires that took place up in the Smokies last yeah, month. Awful, yeah. 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 Uh, was backcountry horsemen involved in any way in helping yeah, with we those were, fires? Yeah. We, yeah, in the uh, up, yeah, up and near the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, where people were, and uh, packing in supplies and getting, uh, which is usually what we do. What that does, I know they weren't able to fly helicopters much at all, to my understanding, uh, in this the fires up there. But we were able to displace the need for helicopters in, in the West, and so yeah, our people in the North Carolina, we have a lot of pack string folks. Uh, North Carolina and, and Eastern Tennessee that really worked that area. And, you know, I'm, uh, if we live in the East or, you know, 70% of America is within a day's drive or something of Great Smoky Mountain National Parks, we've all seen, been on those highways that are now deso- you know, decimated. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, I have, have not been up there myself, but I just uh, kind of cringe to think driving up there. Because uh, you see on TV, I said, oh, I've been on the road, you know. <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah, it was it was devastating. Of course, uh, uh, Gatlinburg itself is opening and functioning again, and um, uh, Tennessee, being the volunteer state that it is, I mean, people yeah. really stepped up uh, to help get supplies in for what? horses and to make uh, uh, facilities available for folks that may have been displaced with their horses. And then, of course, there was a tremendous amount of money. Uh, that was raised to help those folks that uh, uh, lost oh, their property. Yeah. Over twenty twenty four hundred 
uh, homes yeah. and, and other structures that were destroyed. And um, talking with some of my friends out in the West, you know, when you have some of the fires that happen out in the West in the in the uh, in the parks and the forest out there, you don't have the population, the density that you do back here right. in the yes. East. So well, it's, yeah, there was uh, a picture. Uh, I can't think of that. I can't think of the hotel. Uh, it's but anyway, it was uh, sitting on the edge of the lake, and in the back, the whole mountain was on fire. You know, it was a dramatic. Picture looked like it was oh, yeah. out west. It was right right here. Uh, I know yeah. the, forest, uh, the Forest Service uh, email this week is this Saturday. Uh, they're doing a, well, we may get our snow, so they may not have the work day. But anyway, uh, 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 in the Cahuta Wilderness, because there was a large burn there, I think maybe two-thirds of Cahuta Wilderness, which borders on the Tennessee border uh, mm-hmm. and the, the Cherokee National Forest. And so uh, that's, uh, that's we're digging in right now, starting to try to repair you know, what we can to get the trails open again. Um, yeah, yeah. I know that some of our friends that were on the show with you uh, uh, sometime in the last couple of months sent me a message. Uh, they had lost about 25,000 acres of forest yeah. close to them. Uh, so it's, yeah. it's, yeah. but thank goodness we've gotten plenty of rain now. And, uh, and hopefully that situation is taken care of. And it's just the repair and the rebuilding and, and uh, getting back to normal. Well, Jim, uh, this has been fun having you on the show uh to start things off for a new year and um always interesting to find out what's going on with backcountry horsemen and how it helps keep trails open for all the trail riders and whether you're a trail rider or whether you're just involved in other horse sports uh it's an important organization so give us the website even if if you're well it's bcha.org and we have Facebook, which is a ton of information uh, all all day long put on there. And uh, but I mean, if even if you're in a rocking chair in New Jersey, and you know, and you're never you going to the grocery store is the main thing you do. It's great to know that the trails are open in Yosemite and Yellowstone and these places. And uh, so, uh, just great to know it whether you ever go out there or not. And uh, that's that's right. That is right. Well, it's helping to preserve our equestrian legacy by keeping trails open all across this country for people to continue to use and enjoy uh, for our generation and for our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren to come. So anyway, it's been fun having you on, and we look forward to um, maybe having Roland Cheek with us next time. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to, I talked to Roland, and I, we'll see if we can get that put together. And uh if it's not 35 below out there, that still might not stop rolling. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> He can get in front of a fireplace with his bone and call in, so that'll be good. Yeah, yeah. Well, yep, listen, yep. thank you so much, and I uh, hope you and Sandy have had a good start to your new year and look forward to seeing you uh, maybe down the road sometime soon. But we'll for sure be talking with you the first Thursday of uh, February, which will be February. before we know it. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Good to talk to you, Gary. Thank you. All right. Good good to talk to you. So, Mr. Jim McGarvey, the Executive Director of Backcountry Horsemen of America, and we're very excited to be able to talk with Mark Badur, the host of a brand new show called Today's Wild West, and we'll be talking with Mark when we come back in just a moment. You're listening to Saddle Up America on Equestrian Legacy Radio, heard around the world online at equestrianlegacy.net. I know cowpoke went riding out one dark and windy day. 
On a ridge he rested as he went along his way When all at once a mightier hood of red-eyed cows he saw Plowing through the ragged skies And up the cloudy draw Their brands were still on fire and their hoods were made of steel Their horns were black and shiny and their hot breath he could feel A bolt of fear went through them as they thundered through the sky For he saw the riders coming hard And he heard the mournful cry Their shirts all soaked with sweat They ride hard to catch the herd But they ain't caught them yet They've got to ride forever On that range up in the sky On horses snorting fire As they ride on here they cry His name. If you want to save your soul from hell or riding on this range, then come on, change away today, or with us you will ride. Trying to catch the devil's herd across these endless skies. I am Yippee That's Ghost Riders in the Sky, Belinda Gale, and Wild Wind, and kind of an appropriate way for us to introduce our first guest, Mr. Mark Badur, who is an author, a photographer, a reporter, and now the host of a great new show that's premiering this weekend on Wyoming Public Television, Today's Wild West. And Mark, how are you doing, my friend? Doing great, doing great. Great to be with you, Gary. Well, good to have you, and, and I say that's appropriate because uh, Ghost Riders is kind of uh, certainly a Wild Western song, and the first time I met you was when we had you on Belinda's Blessed Trail Show, just, uh, right. I guess, about a month ago. Yeah, so great right, to have right. you with us. Yeah, good and um, I'm really excited about your new show. But let's talk a little bit about your background and how this all came together for you to be producing this great new series for public television. Well, I have a background as a TV news reporter. I uh, started out in, in television news in a uh, small town in Mason City, Iowa. 
and over the years worked in Des Moines, Battle Creek, Michigan, Chico, California, and now Los Angeles, doing everything from uh, reporting, editing, anchoring. Anyway, learned all the skills of, of television news. My latest position here in Los Angeles was working as a news writer, writing what the anchor people read. In about uh, 1999, I was always interested in cowboy stuff, grew up watching Gunsmoke, Bonanza, and all that kind of thing, and uh, was not aware that, uh, although I did work on a cattle ranch when I was 18, high school teacher's dad hired me for a summer in eastern Montana, which was actually a very disillusioning experience because they just had me sit in a tractor all summer doing uh, plowing uh, summer fallow, the ground they weren't using, so we never got... We, we never, at least I didn't, uh, ride horses much, and, and we just worked your tail off from sunup to sundown six days a week, and it, it wasn't really much fun. If I had worked at a dude ranch where you're riding horses and up in the mountains, then my life might have been completely different. Right. But anyway, I, because uh, I, uh, I really wanted to be a cowboy when I was growing up, and, and then having that disillusioning experience, and then the rancher, I didn't make any money, and the rancher told me he didn't make any money a lot of the time. So I thought, well, that's not going to work. So I, so I went to college, got uh, trained, and uh, they had a TV news program, got into that business, and was uh, doing that and learning all those kinds of skills. And then in 1999, I went to a college rodeo here in Los Angeles and discovered this uh, horseback riding program that this college had, and they borrowed their horses for the fall and winter from a, an outfitter that did horse trips in the Sierra in the summertime. And I discovered this whole Western world going on, Western music and horse trips and dude ranches and all this stuff that uh, being in the TV news business, you think I might be informed about that kind of thing, but I didn't know a thing about it. Anyway, discovered all that and thought, wow, this would make a really cool TV show. So... That year, I put together this this pilot show, which actually is posted on my website today at todayswildwest.com, and it hired a crew, a two-man crew. We shot a half-hour show in in two days. Uh, and there were segments on there's a segment on a western stuntman, a guy named Lauren Jaynes, who did a lot of the stuff in How the West Was Won. Right. He's on a western artist, on cowboy mounted shooting, on the single action shooting society. These guys that wear the old time outfits and have shooting target shooting contest with the old time guns and produced that pilot and I was not able to get it on a on a channel anywhere and but what it but what did happen to the tape is it landed on the desk of uh, the editor at Cowboys and Indians magazine which a lot of your listeners are probably familiar with oh yeah uh, a, a, the western lifestyle magazine and the editor watched the show and she said wow we want you to do magazine stories like that so that opened up the door to writing magazine stories. And fast forward 15 years later, I've had uh, magazine stories on virtually all aspects of the Western lifestyle and Native American stuff, dude ranches, horse trips, hat makers, Western movie, music. You mentioned Belinda. I wrote a profile of, of, of her that was published a few years back and other performers like Dave Stamey and people like that. And uh, so over the ensuing 15 years, I was doing all these magazine stories and, and, and doing the photography to illustrate them and then 
uh, ended up publishing a couple of books, uh, coffee table photography books. And then uh, a couple of years ago, it, the technology in the meantime had completely changed, whereas before you had to hire a camera guy and a sound guy, which is still the ideal way of doing things. Right. But today, Sony, Sony makes a broadcast-quality camera that actually is, was used by the CBS station I worked at here in Los Angeles, their local news department, used that camera. And the camera is small enough to be able to shoot while you're riding a horse. And it, it also does really great sound. And, and so uh, then my uh, mom passed away and left me a, a modest inheritance. Uh, we didn't get rich, but it was enough to step away from my day job as a TV news writer writing what the anchor people read on the teleprompter here in Los Angeles. So, so I took that, that money and stepped away from that job and invested that, that money in, in actually the last two years in producing this documentary-style program about all things Western. And we've been, uh, my wife and I have, have uh, worked on this together. She's, she's been a, a great uh, trooper and all this, putting up with a lot of stuff <laughs> like uh, camping out in, on the Chief Joseph Trail ride in torrential tornado-like thunderstorms. <laughs> it's been quite an adventure. But, but uh, bottom line is that we now have 13 fully completed half hours. We're going to be on Wyoming PBS beginning in uh, this Saturday. I talked to Arizona PBS last week. They sent me a contract. They want they, there's some hoops we have to go through, but the program director there wants to schedule the show. I just talked to Nebraska PBS today. They're interested, so I think that it's a, a very realistic possibility that this first season will get on a lot of PBS stations. It's also being sent to the national PBS program distributor for their consideration, and if they approve it, then they will offer it to all 350 PBS stations in the country. Oh, that's great. So, that's uh, great. So it's finally a reality after all this time. Well, I hope that they pick that up because I would certainly love to be able to get it on PBS back here in, uh, in Tennessee. And um, uh, you were kind enough to actually send me a couple of episodes to look at, and I'm going to just tell our audience right now, you want to catch today's Wild West because it is beautifully done and uh, and great storylines to go along with it. And uh, I just wanted to saddle up and get out there and ride with you, Mark. I mean, it's it's good stuff. Yeah, it's fun, and I got to mention to your listeners that obviously, probably most of them don't live in Wyoming, but you can still see the program on your computer because after it airs on Wyoming PBS on Saturday, they will put it on their streaming site, which we will link to at Today's Wild West. So beginning probably next Tuesday or Wednesday, when you go to todayswildwest.com, we'll have a link that will take you to where you can watch the program on your desktop, laptop, iPhone, whatever. So, so wherever you are in the entire world right now, you'll be able to see that show beginning next week. Oh, that's great. That That's great. Well, folks are certainly going to want to visit your website. You need to visit the website anyway um, uh, because you can see some clips. Of course, we posted a clip on uh, on our Facebook page, and I, we've had 
several thousand folks that have viewed that, and uh, and hopefully they're tuning into the show uh, as a result from having seen your clip. But um, I want to talk just a little bit about uh, maybe one of your most exciting experiences uh, in, in filming these thirteen episodes. Do you have a do you have a location that was just kind of one that just jumps out at you and says that was either the most difficult thing that I filmed or the most fun thing that I filmed? Well, the thing that comes to mind right immediately, the most terrifying thing that happened is uh, was was one of the first stories I was doing. I live here in in, in the Los Angeles area, and there's uh, everybody has seen the Hollywood sign, but you may not know that the Hollywood sign is in a place called Griffith Park, and that's uh-huh. about a 4,000-plus-acre park right in the middle of of Los Angeles that has 56 miles of horse trails. And it's actually urban wilderness. And there's coyotes and deer and all this stuff out there. And it's a great place to ride. And I've been riding out there for years. And I, one of the stories I was doing was riding up to the Hollywood sign with a couple of friends of mine and doing a story about riding in Griffith Park. So, so we were out all for an afternoon doing that. And as we're getting back toward the stable, there, there are these tunnels that go under the freeway. When you, 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 There's stables that surround the park, and you get on your horse, and then you ride under the freeways through a tunnel, and then you go up in the hills. And once you get up in the hills, it's like you're a zillion miles away from, from L.A., although you can see the ocean and the skyline. It's really cool. Anyway, we're coming back, and these two women I was uh, riding with are a little ways ahead of me, and they get, I mean, we're real close to the, that we left from and their horses are just a little ways ahead of me and they go out of the tunnel and as they uh, uh, left the tunnel and made a right turn their horses go into a lope and uh, I don't ride like you're supposed to a lot of the time because I ride these <laughs> these pretty dead broke horses so a lot of times when I'm taking pictures or shooting video I'm just hanging the reins over the horn and, and right. I have both hands on the camera and I'm hanging off the horse or or whatever, and uh, probably not the safest thing to do, but I haven't had any bad experiences with it, but this particular day when we came out of the tunnel, those horses went into a lope, and all of a sudden my horse just bolted at like 90 miles an hour, <laughs> charging <laughs> towards these women who are, who are on the edge of this. Um, the L.A. River now goes through this cement canyon, so my horse is like running as fast as he can, barreling right towards these two women, and I'm going, "Where, where are the race?" The horse pulled up. The horse stopped just before he was. It looked like he's going to run into these these two girls on their horses, but he he pulled up, and, and they they said my 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 uh, face was like completely white, but it, it was kind of an And I've got the camera rolling the whole time, so so. So you could see oh, crazy. Anyway, that was that was one of the more um, thrilling adventures. <laughs> oh gosh, how do you go about selecting um, a location or a story that you want to do? Well, it depends on uh, where I get invited to. I mean, I've been doing this this um, this Western writing, all these magazine articles for the for the last fifteen plus years, and so. Um, that's given me this this great library of contacts all over the country, and mm-hmm. so I'm revisiting many of the places that I've done magazine stories on. 
for example, one of the first ones we did was uh, a place called the, the White Stallion Ranch in Tucson, Arizona. And I've done a number of stories about them over the years because there's a lot of different elements. Like there's been a lot of uh, a number of movies that have been shot at that place, and I did a story on that. They have 100-plus horses, and I did a story on how they manage all those horses and how they find horses that are good for people that maybe don't ride, plus people that really can ride. So, so I went back to the White Stallion and did a story on that, and then they're in Tucson, and there's an old movie studio there called Old Tucson where John Wayne made uh, a, a number of his films, and, and so I just called them up and, and, and told them I was interested in doing a story, and they had me come out. And, and then I get invited on rides. Um, there's a, a group out of uh, Wickenburg, Arizona, called the Desert Caballeros, and uh-huh. they invited me to come on a ride and, and do a story like that. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a, kind of a mixture of my own ideas and invitations, and I always tell people I'm always looking for the next adventure to write about. And uh, a number of these TV stories I'm doing now end up as magazine stories, too. For example, there's a place we were at this past summer called Bonanza Creek Ranch in Montana, which is a great ranch, and I've never been to a dude ranch I didn't think was a great dude ranch. They're all, they're all great in their own way. But I also ended up – so we, we featured them in the TV show, and then I also – I'm still writing magazine stories when I can – when I can make that happen, and uh, so that's going to be actually published in the next issue of the Quarter Horse magazine called America's Horse that the Quarter Horse Association puts out. Right. So it's a combination right. of contacts and invitations, and uh, so if, if your viewers have a or listeners have a horseback adventure uh, like you and I have talked about uh, coming to your right. the, the music fest. So that's right. that's how I hear about things. Is people tell me about them and invite me to come and do a story, and, and that's kind of how it works. Well, that that is well, pretty I cool. I should, tell your, I should tell your listeners if they have an idea, if they if they have something they'd like cover to, uh, me to cover on the show, I'd certainly be interested in hearing about it. And they can contact me through the website at at todayswildwest.com. Okay, <clears throat> talk a little bit about the type of uh, variety that that's in the show, because again, I was I was privileged to be able to see it, watch an episode or two, and. Um, uh, so you have quite a variety uh, in, a, in a half an hour show that sometimes I wonder why I can't get that much variety in my radio programs, you know, when we do an hour or two. But but you you cover not only rides, but you also cover, I think I saw a, a segment where you interviewed Dave Stamey and, and talk a little bit about the variety that people will see on your program. One of the things I wanted to do with the show is to sh- just highlight all the cool stuff going on in the West that, that that I would think most Americans have never heard of. And there's so, all these different elements to what is commonly referred to as the Western lifestyle. And you mentioned Dave Stamey. There's all mm-hmm. this great Western music. I hear people like Dave and, and B- 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 Belinda Gale and R.W. and people like that, and I always wonder, why, why am I not hearing these guys on, on commercial radio? Because there's all this great Western music that's kind of under the radar. So uh, Western music is something we highlight in the show. Western, Western craftsmen there's a, and, and women, there's an organization called the Traditional Cowboy Arts Association that keeps the old crafts alive, like rawhide braiding and, and handmade saddles and silver work, that kind of thing. So we did a, we did a piece on a rawhide braider in South Dakota named uh, Whit Olson, 
we did a piece on uh, also in South Dakota. There's a company there called Hanson Wheel and Wagon, and they make the stagecoaches for Wells Fargo, and they make oh, wow. them exactly like they, they they make them exactly like they did back in the day. There's not it's not a titanium stagecoach. I mean they 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 make them. Um, put them together and use the leather and the wood and all that stuff to just exactly like they did. So I, I actually I saw a piece in the Wall Street Journal about about Hanson Wheel and Wagon and thought, wow, that'd be a cool story. So we did that. Uh, um, I'm originally from Minnesota, so in 2015 when I was back visiting my family, I, I know of some Western stuff in that area. Like, for example, we went to Northfield, Minnesota, which is where Jesse James and his gang met their Waterloo. If people have mm-hmm. ever, ever seen the, the Carradine Brothers movie, The Long Riders, which, which is about that bank raid, that bank today is a museum, and it's been restored to look exactly like it did the day, that, the day in September when the James Gang robbed the bank in 1876. So we went down there and did a story on that. Um, back when I worked on, the, on railroad track crews in the 1970s, my crew was in Pipestone, Minnesota, way extreme southwest Minnesota, and there's a national monument there where the Indians have mined the red stone used to make peace pipes for thousands of years, and they still do to this very day. So we went to the, the national monument and uh, did a story on that place and, and interviewed. Um, there's a pipe maker who has his shop set up right there in the visitor center, and you can watch the guy turn pieces of rock into these beautiful redstone peace pipes and uh so there's there's just a whole range of of uh interesting fascinating entrepreneurial kinds of people out there uh there's we did a piece on a on a buckle maker in bozeman montana wild horse steelworks he makes belt buckles and incorporates barbed wire in his designs oh really interesting and he does it in a way where it doesn't snag on your clothes or anything like that. Uh, we met a, we did a piece on an Indian woman in Montana who, who um, there's a, a grass in Montana called sweet grass, and right. it's uh, and she cultivates it and she turns it into scented candles and soaps and lotions and and all this stuff. And she's shipping her products now to Europe and all over the world, and and she's got a really a great little business going. So. There's just a wealth of all these fascinating cultural things happening in the West, and you know, plus, of course, the great dude ranches and horse trips and uh, mustangs. We we went, for example, in here in California. There's wild mustangs that live along the California-Nevada border, and there's outfitters in the springtime that take horseback groups out to see these. Mustangs, and, and you ride up to a base camp and you camp out, and then you spend the day riding out to watch these mustangs, and and it's just fascinating to watch. You watch the stallions fight each other for mates, and and watch the interaction of the horses, the way horses naturally are when they're out 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 in the wild. So um, there's just all kinds of incredible things happening out there. I went on the Reno Rodeo Cattle Drive. Which the cattle drive is a cool experience, and then there's also like a, a, a dozen covered wagons that go on this cattle drive, and those covered wagons, um, many of them date to the 1800s, and the people on this wagon train are experts about the history of the wagons and the harness, and they can tell you the 
the background of the draft horses. In fact, the one guy um, was actually involved in helping t- to save a draft horse breed from extinction because after farming became mechanized in the 1940s, people got rid of the draft horses, and some of the breeds were actually in danger of dying out. So, so it's just a really uh, it's, it's so what we've done on the show is is try to highlight a mix of, of all the different things that are that are out there that with, with kind of the moral of the story being that, you, you know, these are things that you can do. These are places you can go. These are uh, ranches that will teach you how to ride a horse if you don't know how or if you have friends that don't know how. And uh, so what, what we really want to do with the show is encourage people to, to get out and, and experience all this cool stuff going on for, for themselves. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there are a lot of folks that, that uh, have their bucket list that they put together at the first part of the year. And uh, so many people that, uh, and we have a huge audience in Europe, uh, and we're grateful for our listeners there. So I know that they're sitting there saying, okay, I can't wait to see the show. So the website is todayswildwest.com. Dot com, and, right. Uh, yeah, and so uh, you won't be able to get Wyoming public television uh, over in Europe, but you can visit the website and catch these shows and episodes as, as they've been aired. And um, it's just fascinating. Again, being able to sit down and look at a couple of the episodes and preview those things, it's like just fascinating uh, parts of this American West that you're covering and traditions that are still being kept alive uh, in certain pockets of the West that are just absolutely fascinating to see the way people are living and, uh, and enjoying their life. Um, I kind of envy you, my friend, to be able to get out and what? travel and do what you're doing. Um, well, we're, yeah, we're very fortunate to get to do this. So it, it uh, I, I always have to give credit to, uh, to, uh, to the Lord, uh, you know, cause I would say I, I, I didn't even think of doing this kind of work. It just all kind of came together. You know, I had this, I had this love, uh, lifelong interest in all things Western, you know, the old West and the history and riding horses and all that stuff. Then I acquired this, uh, you know, career experience in television news. And then, and then uh, in, in between, I made all these contacts doing magazine stories. So everything has just kind of come together and it's, it's, you know, I've been wanting to do this show for uh, for over 15 years, and so to yeah. finally get to see it, it's it's been a lot of work, and it's it's had its moments of uh, struggle and frustration, as you can imagine. But but uh, to see it finally coming together, and uh, hopefully, people in Europe, people everywhere who see this thing are going to go, "Wow, I want to do that too," and uh, and they can. They can, they can, and if they can't, they can they can live it through watching today's Wild West, uh, both on the website and through public television. And uh, you'll have to keep us abreast as to what PBS stations are picking this up as things progress. Mark, I guess we can probably find something out about on that about that on your website as well. So that would be just that. yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's it's fascinating. How long uh, this question I was thinking about earlier? Let me ask this before we go. Uh, how long does it take you to film a thirty-minute episode? Well, um, 
That's a good question. We've been um, working on this thing for almost two years, so we've done 13 episodes in two years. Um, they're they're pretty labor intensive. I, I think one of the things that's that's unique about this show is there's I, it really is safe to say, and I don't want to sound you know like I'm boastful or whatever, but there really is nothing like this on television. And no. after having put this episode together, we know why there's nothing like this on television because it's really a labor intensive. <laughs> project we've traveled from uh, arizona to, to northern montana all, you know from southern arizona tombstone all the way up to almost the canadian border in montana so to, to, to put together an episode requires a lot of travel uh like mm-hmm. well let's, let's just take um the first episode involves um let's see we went to a dude ranch in wyoming we explored the town of Cody, wyoming we went to a a Steckline, a David Steckline Western Photography Seminar that David has passed away. His sons are carrying that uh, those seminars on, and then we were in Minnesota. So if you if you just take that particular episode, that that required traveling from Idaho to Minnesota, uh, the better part of a week at the Dune Ranch, a, a, a long weekend at the photography seminar, and a trip to the to the monument. Then you you come home with all this tape. And it takes the better part of a week to go through all the tape, and then you have to write it, and then you have to edit it. So that's a that's that's quite an involved process. And then when you get all that done, then you have to turn it over to a to a, another editor who does the color correcting and the sound correcting. And then after you've created a TV show, then you're on the phone for weeks or months trying to track down a TV station to run it. So, <laughs> uh, and then then I have a vast staff that includes. Me, now that's, that's <laughs> I, with my my wife Marilyn uh, helping me where she can, um, mm. and I do I did I have hired editors to help with the with the technical stuff, getting the color right and the sound right. So, right. So, right. Um, what we're hoping to do is is if the show is is takes off and and we get some um, we we get some sponsors because I've funded this myself, uh, the first run. If we get some sponsorship, hopefully we can we can get a little help and go forward because you know in order for this to be an ongoing project, we need to be a little quicker turning out the episodes. And if you had some more people working on it, you could do that. You know, I could go out right. and shoot the stuff and then turn it over to an editor who could put it together instead of me having to do everything. So that's right. that's the hope. However, whatever the future holds, we're not sure, but we're we're excited that we have thirteen really solid exciting episodes of, of great material that, that people probably have never heard of and, and we're excited to put it out there in front of people and uh and it's also good for the people that that run these ranches and and the custom hat makers and people like that because we, what we also hope is that is that what their phone rings after our uh shows about what they're doing are are on so right 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 well anyway it's 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 a it's done very very well you're going to love watching uh, every episode of today's wild west and the first one uh, will air on saturday on wyoming pbs and then uh, the following week you can find it on today's wildwest.com and uh, i hope i get to see you in tennessee in june so we love to you know i told you the west actually began back here in tennessee there would be no texas without tennessee and so that's right maybe Maybe you can see an episode 
Davy Crockett. That's right, Sam Houston. But, uh, Mark, you've been a joy to have on the show. We wish you the best with today's Wild West, and we look forward to talking with you very soon again, my friend. Todayswildwest.com. Yeah, be sure and catch the uh, the TV show, and also you can uh, you can get a, a a look at his coffee table books. They're beautifully done photography as well, and you'll enjoy that as well. So, Mark, thank you so much for being with us, my friend. Thank you, Gary. I appreciate it. All right, we will talk to you soon. And um, we're going to kind of wrap things up here for the show. It's been a lot of fun having Jim and uh, Doug with us, the Cowboy Way, in the first hour of the show. And then always great to have Jim McGarvey with Backcountry Horsemen of America. And a thrill to have Mark Badur with us and to talk about today's Wild West. And uh, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more episodes of that as we go along. We do want to remind you, we mentioned Rendezvous 2017 and that will be taking place june 1st through the 3rd at loretta lynn's ranch it is to benefit the alzheimer's association and the national parkinson's foundation and you can find out more about it the great musical guests that will be joining us as well as the great trail riding and other things that you can take part in at equestrian legacy radio's rendezvous 2017 june 1st through the 3rd you can find out more about that at our website at equestrianlegacy.net. Well, it's been fun. A great show to start the new year with, Equestrian Legacy Radio. And we invite you to join us every Thursday beginning at noon for the Campfire Cafe, followed by Saddle Up America, and then every Sunday for Blessed Trails with Belinda Gale. We remind you, as always, if you climb in the saddle, get ready for the ride on Equestrian Legacy Radio heard around the world streaming live online and on demand at equestrianlegacy.net and we'll close today's show out with a great song from Bryn Hill and it's called Rawhide Braider. Thanks for being with us.
over to wander to Liverpool again. I will teach you Riyadh, my friend. Like a spirit, they fly on the wind. Over to wander to way of saying hello as it unlocks the door for you and invites you inside now you're comfortably sitting down and warming up in your heated quilted seat surrounded by empowering technology you can set your drive mode and the mood when I popped off, then you visit infinity of cool springs to learn more about the infinity qx50 you do it all, like being a boss exec to Tuesday tennis to the kids' homework. And you do it all in style. That's why we created the all-new Infiniti QX60. A luxury SUV with features like a panoramic moonroof and available massaging front seats to bring ease every day. The all-new Infiniti QX60, designed to conquer life in style. Now with extremely limited availability. Visit InfinityUSA.com or Infinity of Cool Springs for inventory information. 